Today on Stick to Football, Melo and I holding it down while Connor is at a bachelor party in Nashville, that lucky son of a gun. But we're going to get you ready for week one, not week zero, of the college football season. Thank God it is finally here. And it's Friday. I'm so excited that we have real games to preview this week on the podcast. I've been waiting for this. I know that last week we were in Vegas and we did that thing. Uh, did that thing. Did that thing. But now we're talking about real college football games. It's Thursday night here for us. I get to go home after this. I get to stream the Clemson game. Uh, I guess it's probably illegally, but I'm going to watch Trevor Lawrence tonight for the first time since the national championship game. Very excited. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'm turning my headphones up. I'm not messing with Mello. Oh, yeah, which you can watch this on YouTube now. Bleach Report's YouTube page. Uh, watch the podcast, which sounds funny, but you can do that. There is a little bit of news we want to get into up first. In one week, the crew will be headed to Austin, Texas for our first tailgate tour event of the year. We'll be there for Texas uh, versus LSU. Our event is at Pluckers on Rio Grande at 2.30 on Saturday. You do not need a ticket. You do not need a ticket to the game. This is off-site. It's a, about a... You know, 15 minute walk from the stadium. So it's close enough that you can walk. We're going to be there for three hours hanging out. We're going to record the podcast around three o'clock. So three, if you want to come watch the podcast, three o'clock, we're going to take a live draft on draft. We're going to break down that day's game very in depth, but all of the week two games will run through those. So it'll be a normal podcast, but we're going to be doing it at Pluckers, which they have the best wings in the world. And a lot of people have been worried. They've said like, oh, you're going to try to get in there at 2.30 on a game day. There's no way you're going to have room. Yes, we will, because we have a spot reserved with Pluckers. Not so fast. Uh, we're working with them. So, yes, we will have room for yeah, you. Yeah, we're not just rolling up with us. Yeah, you we, know. we didn't just go to one of the most popular spots in Austin and be like, yeah, we'll see you there. For no, we, we RSVP'd to this we're, event. We're taking the patio. It's ours. The whole yeah. patio is ours, which uh, is going to be hot outside. It's a little humid. Outside of Florida, Tony Dungy, he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. And what he said about it being more humid in Florida than Missouri, I love that you just got, you went receipts and screenshotted it. Yeah, like, I get it. Florida is very hot. It's closer to the equator. It's humid. But if you think that it's going to affect this game, like, Missouri is very hot. So let's just start there. Missouri is a very hot state. It was like, feels like 98 today. the streets. (laughs) So is Florida. I get it. But it's not that much different. Like, I'll give Jacksonville, all, everybody out there also, watching. Let's talk about the fact that Jacksonville is in northern Florida. Yeah, somebody's like, this oh, not South Beach. southern Florida is so hot. But yeah, it's in northern Florida. But okay, Jacksonville, you can have number one spot. Most humid place on the country. Apparently, they wanted it. They can have it. I don't care. Kansas City is still very, very warm, still very humid, especially in the summer. So I really don't right. see what the argument is here. Like, they're playing equal. Mahomes well, is from the desert, basically. Right. Tyree Kills from Georgia. Also, Chris pretty Jones hot. is from Mississippi. Yeah, I think they're going to be okay. So that was my like second point. Like, these aren't college kids. This isn't people that have been in the Pacific Northwest their entire life and went to some college locally that now they're going to play in Atlanta. These are people from all over the country. These are professional athletes that train year around in crazy different spots. They know to drink some pickle juice, right? I bet they've had some water or maybe some Gatorade or or whatever sponsoring them. It won't affect the game at all. But I tell you, everybody who is on my Twitter feed today talking about, oh, Jacksonville is going to be so hot. It's going to make so much of a difference. Congratulations, because the playoffs aren't in fucking September. (laughs) They're in January. And I think 
the Chiefs will be okay then. It'll be cold in Kansas City then because yeah. the weather is crazy. A former Chief was in the news a little bit this week, and I actually talked to you before we started recording. I, said, I thought this was a foregone conclusion, but the NFL rules, Cream Hunt is not able to practice during his eight-game suspension. Uh, again, this is what I expected to be the case, but it is notable because it's going to be really, the onus is on him to be training and preparing so that when he is back from suspension, he's going to be ready to go because I think the Browns, after trading Duke Johnson, they're going to really be relying on him for that late season push. Yeah, it's just a little formality thing that uh, kind of came through the wire this week that Kareem Hunt wouldn't be with him. I, I think that most people expected this or they probably already knew it. So not really a big deal there, but he won't be able to practice not traveling with the team. Probably have a little less communication than regularly. Uh, if he were in the locker room, but really no big deal. Uh, once they get him back after this eight-game suspension, I think he'll be ready to go. Are you drafting him on your fantasy team? No. Someone someone will. I, I, somebody will probably draft him, but if you're a fantasy person and you're listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube, mm. uh, I wouldn't draft him at all. Will Braver I pick wired. him up Like maybe after six games of his suspension? Possibly. We'll see how it's the running back the room shakes out. To who tries to claim him? Like, do you do it in week five or do you do it in week six? At least the way our league works. Yeah. That's going to be the key is who tries to do it early enough because you don't, you want to try to beat everybody else to the point. Right. That, I mean, now that I've put it out there that like after six games, I would probably be looking at him. I'm sure that Someone somebody's just going to stash him on the bench for a while. And there's no telling how long that will last. I'll forget this by week six, so you're safe there. Jadevian Clowney, the trade rumors have picked up. Aaron Wilson, good friend of the podcast, writes for the Houston Chronicle. He reported the Texans have talked to five teams about trading for Clowney, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Seattle Seahawks, the Washington Redskins, the New York Jets, and the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins players have reportedly said they will revolt if Laramie Tunsil is traded for Jadavion Clowney. And I understand that because Clowney's good, but Laramie Tunsil is one of the best. I think he's the best young left tackle in football. He's an up-and-coming left tackle that they have kind of control over for a while with the franchise tag and everything like that. Uh, I I wouldn't trade. I guess I would say he's kind of aging. He's still young, Clowney. Right. But he's an aging guy that you can't really franchise tag. I I don't know that I would even want him if he was going to sign a long extension. Not in return for Laramie Tunsil, who looks like a great great left tackle. I was doing radio today, and they they kind of brought this up indirectly, and they said, why can't teams find good left tackles? It was like, well, that's the thing. Once you have one, you don't let go. Look what the Chiefs have done with Eric Fisher. Like, Eric Fisher looked like a bust. And then it was like, you know what? He's not bad. He got a second contract, a good second contract, because good left tackles are are that hard to find. Laramie Tunsil looks like he could be the best left tackle in the NFL eventually. And it's pretty easy to find an edge rusher. Like, I know that it's, it's a hot commodity, but yeah. more often than not, you can get a guy that can create you some need pressure. A top you can pick, find him, but you can get But even right. with, like, a left tackle, you need, like, a top three pick. And a lot of luck. Yeah. Yeah, because, because a lot of people miss on there. They just haven't been that good. So, from this list, one team that terrifies, not really me, because I don't, I don't really care what happens, but it's a terrifying thought. Clowny with the Eagles and Jim Schwartz's yeah. defense, where it's like, yep. hey, buddy, Pin your ears back and go kill someone. Yeah, uh, next okay. to Fletcher Cox. You're not going to drop my ass in coverage anymore? Yeah. Great, right? This yeah. is fantastic. Out of like all the teams that he could go to, I think the Eagles would probably be one of the scariest situations for the rest of the league. What he could do in that defense and attacking and the pieces that they already have in play there in Philadelphia. You add Clowney to that mix. I don't know what the, the trade offers are for him right now, but if you can add Clowney to that mix, that rotation on that defense, uh, that would be something special. And obviously, they're gearing up. They want to run to the Super Bowl this year. 
I think Clowney could easily help them do that. And I, I think that's where with Clowney, you kind of do look at teams like the Seahawks, the Eagles, who are, they believe they are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. I had heard the Jets were in the mix uh, for this as well. I don't know. Was that? Yeah, I saw that on read. Twitter. As the, well. the Jets are in the mix. They're obviously not uh, an expected Super Bowl contender. I, I think they would be interesting because they drafted a guy in the early third round in Ja'Kai Polite, mm-hmm. who is expected to fill that role as a pass rusher. Um, just hasn't had a good camp, hasn't had a good preseason. So the fact that they're looking at Clowney, I think, tells us a lot about how, remember, that was a different general manager who made that <laughs> pick. He got fired right over the draft. It kind of makes you you know, maybe wonder how the, the coaching staff views him as a prospect. All right, Melo, when we come back, we are going to start breaking down week one, baby, even though it's kind of week two of college football. We have a ton of games, and you're going to give people the super underdog locksmith game of the week to bet your money on. Because you don't have the nuts to bet your own money on. That's a long segment. We'll be right back. Let's break down some football, Mello. We were in Vegas last week. I lost money betting on a game, although it was close. I should have just stuck to my guns and taken Florida straight up instead of trying to go with the spread. But I did because I started drinking and thought it'd be funny, Uh, which is where all my great decisions come from. But we're going to run through the important games of week one. And I will tell you, there aren't a lot of good ones. Like, I'm so excited that college football is back. It's not an exciting slate of games to break down this week. Yeah, they really do need to do something. We've talked about it before uh, off air. They need to do some kind of like incentive or something for these teams so that they schedule marquee matchups. Like the Florida-Miami game was great. It was an unranked team versus top 25 team. So, I, I mean, I guess top 10. But if we could get like a top 10 matchup, a true top 10 matchup here, it would be amazing to start off the flex year. games. Yeah, like, right. ah, you're actually playing this one this way. If the NCAA would actually do something instead of just sitting back and saying, we've done the same thing for 50 years, we're just going to keep doing that. But instead, Imagine if Alabama LSU was week one. Right? Yeah, flex a conference game. Like, you know you're going to play right. it in there somewhere. Right. Just yeah. come out swinging. I mean, you can't, like, move Auburn, Alabama. That's, you know, it's always the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Yeah, if you but. did it early in the spring, I mean, the NFL puts out their schedule every right. spring, and guess what? People still show up to the game in the fall. Yeah, let's uh, let's run through these. We picked these straight up, but I am going to give you the spread, courtesy of our friends at Caesars Palace. South Carolina minus 10.5 at North Carolina. The over-under in this one is 63. A lot of defense going to be played in this one. Uh, straight up, Melo, I took South Carolina. I, I think they're just too good in North Carolina. Just, we, I mean, we talked about it when we did the preview. It, even if South Carolina is not like a marquee SEC school, they're still a hell of a lot better than North Carolina. Yeah, and Mac Brown, we'll see how that experiment goes. Uh, this is a guy who obviously left Texas uh, not on good terms. He he was kind of run out the door so they could bring Charlie Strong in. I'm going to agree with you here. I'm I'm taking South Carolina as well. And that point spread, it's a it's a big one. But I think that South Carolina is going to be safe there, too, with the 10.5. It's at North Carolina. That's the only thing that gives me concern if you want to bet on this game. But I think that South Carolina can cover the spread and, and even take that 10.5 points. Who knows? The humidity might be a factor. Uh, apparently, it's up. a huge deal. I really hope that this is the year that we, uh, that we finally see South Carolina kind of break out a little bit. Northwestern at number 25, Stanford. Stanford's favored by six. The over-under in this one's a little low. It's 47. Um, gosh, th- that spread is is tempting because I think Northwestern's just going to be so good defensively mm-hmm. with Patty Fisher coming back. The Northwestern offense is not going to be very good, though. Or on paper, it does not look very good. So I'm taking Stanford straight up to win this one. Yeah, this, this is a very hard game for me to pick because at Stanford, where we've talked about before in our previews, they lost a lot of starters, and they will return and bounce guys back from David Shaw, and he does that very well. The defense looks very good. 
I'm intrigued by this Northwest team, though, Northwestern. Uh, what they have going there, they're bringing in Hunter Johnson, who was one of the quarterbacks that Trevor Lawrence ran out of town. I want to see what he can do for Pat Fitzgerald. I want to see what Patty Fisher can do on that defense yeah. at, with another year starting and coming back. So I, I'm picking Stanford here as well. That's six points, though. I think this could be like a three, four-point game. I, I would not be surprised at all if Northwestern plays it closer than the six. But I'm going to take Stanford uh, straight up here on this one. Virginia Tech minus four and a half at Boston College. The over-under is 58 and a half. That's a lot more points than I expected because these are two teams that, I don't know if you call them defensive powers. They just kind of struggle offensively. I'm picking Virginia Tech for this reason only. Justin Fuentes better figure it out this year or he's going to be fired. Yeah, I was going to say that same like thing. It's, it's the pressure's on, buddy. And, and this is a tough game. Going to Boston College and playing is not going to be easy for Virginia Tech. But if they lose this game, I really feel like that hot seat is going to heat up. If he loses two or three early games, I wouldn't be surprised if we're already talking about rumors or if they're just going to go ahead and say, all right, sorry, this didn't work out here in Virginia Tech. Let's go ahead and start looking for our next guy. Uh, because I do think there will be some good coaching candidates interested in that Virginia Tech job. Hopefully Fuentes gets it done this year. I love Virginia Tech. I love when they're playing well, but I mean, we thought they were good last year. Didn't really work out yeah. for them. They, we did the stick to football curse on them. I'm going to take Virginia Tech in this game as well, but the four and a half points should tell you something. This is going to be a good game. It's going to be a close ACC matchup here. You have to go to Boston College, so it's going to be a good game, but I do think that Virginia Tech still has enough to slow down A.J. Dillon and whoever else Boston College yeah, has. and Boston and the Eagles. I I believe in college football. You should almost always bet the over that one at 58 and a half. I think I would take the under. I think I, I honestly, and I'm too. so like always bet the over in college because football, even if Boston College does very well on offense, you know that they're going to pound it out. Like AJ Dillon should probably have 25 plus carries this game. If you want to beat Virginia Tech, uh, Willis at, at quarterback for Virginia Tech. I think that's going to be a, a time control type offense this year and going to Boston College. You're going to want to give your defense a break. You're not want to have A.J. Dillon on the field all the time. So I, I would take the under as well. All right. Next game, Boise State at Florida State. Florida State is favored minus five. The over under 51 and a half. God, I think Florida State wins. So I'm going to pick Florida State to win. But here's what I'll say. I would take Boise against the spread. Yeah, I keep flip-flopping back and forth on this Remember, one. we keep track. I know. That's okay. why I keep flip-flopping okay. back and forth. Snip, snap, snip, snap. I'm going to go with Boise outright on this one. I, I think that they can go into Florida State. Uh, they can win this game. I know that they lost their quarterback. They lost a lot of guys, but I think that they can travel well enough. I'm still not very convinced with what Florida State has. It, how are they going to... Uh, deal with all the pressure of failing last year, trying to build up this program. Hopefully they have their guys in place. I like Blackman at quarterback. I think that given time, I think he was rushed in there. So given time to work with the ones, hopefully he can. Uh, I will tell you, if we see any Alex Hornibrook, I feel very safe about my Boise State pick, though. Yeah. God, Alex Hornibrook is so fucking terrible. Number three, Georgia minus 22 at Vandy. The over-under is 58 and a half. This is Georgia. And I think I would take Georgia... I think they cover. I'm going to take Georgia. I Vandy's don't think good. they cover. Vandy's offense is good. I'll say mm -hmm. that. Like, I love Keyshawn Vaughn. I, I like Pinkney. Like they, this is a good offense. Yep. I don't know about that defense though. Yeah, I think that they will struggle. I think Georgia's pretty safe here. I think they do win, but I'm going to say that Vandy 
plays them closer than 22 points. I feel confident saying that. I do think that they can at least put up points because the questions with Georgia are their defense. They lost a lot of guys there. So with Georgia coming back, trying to replace those guys, I think Vandy can put up enough points against Georgia to where it makes it a ball game. I mean, I feel safe saying they can play within 21 points. I think Georgia's going to try to control the ball. We'll see a lot of DeAndre Swift. We'll see a lot of checkdowns. Kind of a vanilla offense, I think, for Georgia, unless it's really needed. I think that Kirby Smart and that staff, they're going to feel okay if they're up 17 points or so, 14 points, and they're not going to try to put it on them too bad because this is a team that's gearing up for the national championship. And I know you have to go one game at a time, but everybody's human, and in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I want to win the SEC. I want to get back to that right. national championship. You know how in the office Dwight Schrute makes Schrute bucks? Yeah. I want to make sticky bucks, and we'll bet those. Like, how many <laughs> sticky dollars would you bet? And, like, they're going to be worth something. I don't like, think you can call them sticky dollars. <laughs> sticky, dollars. <laughs> sticky bucks. I've given out some sticky dollars. And before. I think, so, like, 10 would get you a Natty Light. 25 would get you a T-shirt. Like, and, you know, so. <laughs> how do you earn sticky bucks? <laughs> by, I don't know. We'll figure that out. I'm we'll not. I, didn't, it. I really didn't pay attention to <laughs> economy classes in college, but I like the the premise here that we would bet fake money on these games. You it'll probably well. look a lot like Monopoly money, but with my picture <laughs> instead of the little Monopoly man. Yeah, it'll be like someone, our, our football logo. That someone we have for can stick do to this, football, right? One of our listeners this can one. put a cartoon of my face on a dollar. <laughs> And then just, you know, we got dollar, $1, $5, With the listeners that we have that do graphics, they can do anything. Yeah, so I would like that. Yeah. I make, mean, make some sticky bucks. I don't want to shout anybody out. but I, I will think... give you 5,000 sticky bucks to design <laughs> sticky bucks. So there you go. I mean, that's get on that right now. It's as viable as Bitcoin. Oh, more. Probably more because, yeah, I'm actually good for it. All right. This is the game of the week. Number 11, Oregon versus number 16, Auburn. Auburn is favored minus three and a half. The over-under is at 56. I'm taking Oregon to win, and I think they cover as well. People are not giving the Oregon offensive line enough credit. I know I know Auburn has Nick Coe. I know they have Derek Brown. They don't have shit offensively. Yeah, where have these people been? I, I don't because know. Because I've been talking about this for a right. very long time. This is far and away the best and offensive line in football. I don't know if folks are overthinking the fact that this game's in Arlington. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, Justin Herbert finally has to leave Eugene, Oregon. And he finally has to face a good defensive line. He has struggled historically against top 10 defenses. But again, that offensive line is better. I think the skill positions around him are much improved this year. He's also going to be better as a senior passer. I think Oregon, I don't know that they're going to win by 10 points, but I think they definitely cover. Yeah, I mean, I do too. And I'm going to pick Oregon as well. I really think that they win this game pretty easily. So I'm going to take them against the spread too with three and a half favorite Auburn. I don't, that's like neutral site. Yeah, I, I don't understand that at all. I know Vegas, they make a lot of money every year. I was just out there, beautiful buildings. <laughs> right. I love your Big food. City. <laughs> but I think the Oregon should be the favorite in this game. The AP thinks they should be too because they're the 11th ranked team. They brought back every starter on their offense, like plus some. Other because, than Dylan Mitchell. Right, but they yeah. replaced him with Juwan Johnson out of Penn State, who's right. a big receiver who I think is going to work very well with Herbert and what they do. The two running backs are fantastic. Auburn's got their hands full up front. That's a very good defensive line, but they can be neutralized by this Oregon front. And, and what Herbert's going to do, It's a this is last year. He wants to go out on a bang. He wants that Heisman Trophy. He wants the national championship. I like this Oregon team, and, and I like them to beat Auburn pretty easily. I'm not going to go like I did with Florida and Miami and say double digits, but I, I think it'll be up there. Man, I would quick strike the hell out of Auburn. I mean, I would too. Get those boys tired. Yeah. 
Uh, Every, just hit them outside. Boom. You know Oregon yep. can do the outside screen. You can get your running backs involved. And we are running to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. You have depth at Oregon. You know you have six offensive linemen that I like. So they can just interchange those guys, get them on a good rotation. I feel very confident, probably the most confident about this Oregon pick. All right, Virginia minus two and a half at Pitt over under 46. Uh, Virginia, I just want to watch Bryce Hall play. When I, Virginia, that's the whole season for me. This will be a pretty good test against the Pitt receivers. I like Virginia in this one, though. I do, too. Uh, I don't know that Pitt has a whole lot uh, coming back for them this year, and Virginia does. They have some players, like you said, Bryce Hall on defense, the corner who looks like one of the top senior corners in the nation. I want to see what he can do this year. And it being an ACC game is interesting. I'm glad that they did this week one uh, with a lot of their matchups. But I'm going to take Virginia as well. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that they cover that very easily against Pitt. Fresno State at USC, minus 13-and-a-half. The over-under is only 53. This is wild to me. This is the super underdog locksmith game of the week to bet your money on because I don't have the nuts to bet my own money. 13 and a half points is way too much on any USC game this entire season. I am I have no confidence in this USC team. JT Daniels looked good. He looked okay at times last year. I'm not confident with what this offense can do. We're still waiting for Stephen Carr to do something at running back. The receivers are great. I love Michael Pittman Jr., I also kind of like this Fresno team, which is why I'm going to take them outright. I think they can beat USC. It's a bold take, maybe the boldest of takes, but I think that they can go in there. There's a lot of distraction going on at USC. I think ball season. If you have top five ideas, send them in at stick to football, leave in your iTunes review, or you can hit one of us up on Twitter this week. It is the top five college football programs of all time and i had a listener dm me and he wanted our opinion on this he wanted our take i would love to shout him out but he has one of those names that is like weird different characters they didn't even look like letters to me so i i'm sorry you can slide in those dms uh friday morning and let me know how to say your name i'll give you a shout out next time this is a great idea uh, and we do We're have to make so many people mad we have some differences on here but i think there are some clear uh, top choices we are going to make some people mad because your team's not going to be mentioned. Uh, if you play football in the state of Florida, you're not on my list. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, not nor on mine. Um, let, let's just jump into it. At number five, I'm going with the University of Texas. This, and I know everybody's like, oh, he's a Texas homer. I, I Listen, I get it. And I, I love the University of Texas. But historically speaking, this is one of the most relevant programs in the history of college football. You have the greatest win of all time. Texas beating USC in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, you have, in I my opinion, the third greatest college football player of all time in Vince Young. You have some the most wins in college football. They're up there in the top five, I believe. Third. They're just an iconic program when it comes to everything that you look at when determining who is great. You know, the, the speed option, the wishbone, all the different things. You know, having an African-American quarterback in James Street. Texas was an innovator even before the modern era, so to speak. So I think when you talk about the greatest of all time, you have to mention the Longhorns. And I'll play devil's advocate with you here because I don't have Texas in my top five. I think the lack of national championships and probably conference championships, too, is the only question that you have here. When Texas is back, they're one of the top programs in the nation. They recruit themselves. Everybody wants to go to Texas. There's just a certain feel about the Longhorns when they're good. So hopefully Tom Herman can turn it around for them. 
I don't have Texas at number five, even though I do think you can make a case for them. I'm going to piss off this fan base because I don't think they feel they're number five. I'm going with the Michigan Wolverines here at well, number five. It is very low. Uh, traditionally, I, they're very good. They're, they're first overall in wins. They've always had a good football program there. We saw some down years there uh, with the Brady Hoke era, the Rich Rod era, where things couldn't get right. And I really don't think that they've come out of that just yet with this Harbaugh era. He, he still hasn't made it to a college football playoff. He's not even in contention for the national championship. Hell, a conference championship is difficult there in Michigan right now. So when they get back, I do love this team. The winged hip helmet is probably the best in all of football. I love Michigan. I just think that for me, they're number five. Well, they'll be on my list much later. Number four for me, the Oklahoma Sooners. Yes, I put Oklahoma ahead of Texas. Listen, it's been a better program, even if they stole the wishbone from Texas. They ran it better. Seven Heisman Trophy winners, seven national championships, 48 conference titles, and, I mean, amazing coaches. Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley. I mean, just amazing. You know, back in the day having the Sam Bradford era, the Adrian Peterson era, uh, what they had with Bud Wilkinson. Like this, this team is just amazing. They they have been since 1895 one of the best to ever play college football. Yeah, and I agree with you. I have them at number four as well. You just look at the quarterbacks that you just mentioned. I think everybody listening to this podcast remembers those guys: the Josh Heupels, the Jason White, Sam Bradford, then Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. These Heisman winners, these guys that were very good in college football, all in recent history. And then you look back at what they've actually done historically. This is a top five program. I think it's a no doubter. They can go into Texas and recruit and bring those guys out of Texas and go to OU. There are a lot of kids in Texas right now and in the state who are Oklahoma fans. And that is going to piss people off in Texas. But it's true. I don't have Texas on my list. I do have Oklahoma. That sucks. But we got some catching up to do in terms of national championships and being in that college football playoff. So I do have Oklahoma number four. That's a very good program. I don't think that they're going to do any slowing down until Lincoln Riley leaves there. I I remember talking to a a Texas alum once about Oklahoma and he was like, you know why, you know why they're so good at football there? There's nothing else to do. And if you've ever been to Norman, Oklahoma, there is nothing else to do, but they are very good at football. Very, very good at football. Number three on my list Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish. I think they have one of the best reputations, but when it like when it's nut cutting time, I don't know if it's Notre Dame. They've been, they haven't been good in a long time. They've been good since Lou Holtz. So I don't know. Like Brian Kelly is okay, but like the the Ty Willingham era, Charlie Weiss era, the Bob Davy era, like this team has just not been that relevant in a long time. They've won a national championship. They've won one in your life. <laughs> yeah. And it was the year after you were born. They've won one in my life. Like they just, yes, they were great in the seventies and they were pretty good in the sixties. They haven't been good in the eighties, nineties or two thousands. So you can look at the fact that they have 11 national cha- championships and a seven Heisman trophy winners. None of those have happened in any of our listeners lives. Yeah. And I agree with you. I do have Notre Dame on my list. There's just something about the gold helmet and Notre Dame in college football. And we're doing all time rankings here. They have struggled. I mean, recently, I don't know if we went in the last 20 years, I, they wouldn't be a top five program for me, but over the, the history of college football, I definitely do have them on there. I'm going with the Ohio state Buckeyes as number three. Uh, this is a very good team. They are second all time in wins. I believe let me double check myself here. 
Yeah, and, and the national titles, they have eight national titles, 911 wins as of right now. That number is going to grow by, I think, at least 10 this year. <laughs> uh, it's a very good team, what they have going now with Ryan Day, Urban Meyer coming in after Jim Tressel even. You look at the last three coaches. Tressel was good. And I know that it kind of ended in controversy with Tressel and Urban Meyer, but those were top programs. Michigan cannot find a way to beat Ohio State right now, and they are on my top five as well, and yours, and Ohio State has just been dominating, and they've been doing it for a very long time. You look at a guy like Archie Griffin, the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner, which still baffles me, but he went to Ohio State. This is a very good football program, so I think you have to give them credit for me. They're number three. I don't have Ohio State on my list, and it's, again, if you talked about, okay, the last 15 years, they'd probably be up there, but... I think what hurts them is actually like the quarterback play. Like LSU is a team that we haven't mentioned either. It's because they don't have the Oklahoma type quarterbacks. They don't have the Heisman Trophy guys. They don't have these marquee players that are playing quarterback for them. Like even Alabama does now. Notre Dame, you could ramble off a few. I mean, starting with Joe Montana, Oklahoma, obviously, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, and then some of the other guys and the defensive stars there too. Ohio State's just always been a great team. Their stars just happen to shine at other positions. For me, Ohio State's like, they're better than Nebraska, but they're kind of similar. Where it's like, I w- yes, you're amazing, and you should probably be in the top five. And I know our boss, Howard Mittman, is going to, I'm going to text in the morning. You didn't put Ohio State in the top five? <laughs> just sorry, sorry, Howard. who did, I'm Howard. sorry, Howard. But uh, let me continue to piss off the boss, because number two on my list is the Michigan Wolverines. The team that, in Notre Dame's first ever game, Michigan beat them which is like the best bragging rights that you can have is, oh, we actually beat Notre Dame. Michigan is just, whether it's the, like you said, the how iconic the helmet and the uniform is or, you know, what they have with the 11 national championships, 42 conference titles, only three Heisman Trophy winners, which is a little low. But when you talk about college football, since 1879, Michigan has been college football. They're the Mm -hmm. first team west of Pennsylvania where college football was started to have a team. So they really helped spread college football westward and they haven't always been the best and they haven't always been the cleanest, but the victors is the best fight song in college football. I'll fight anyone who disagrees and the importance of Michigan and, you know, from fielding Yost to Bo Schnellenberger to now and Lloyd Carr, you have to put in there too. Like you can't talk about college football. You cannot tell the history of college football without Michigan. And they have two of the most iconic Heisman trophy winners with Charles Woodson and Desmond Howard, who struck the pose that everybody tries to do now. I, I think that though, if we did like top five most iconic Heisman guys, you'd have to include both of those guys on your list. Number two for me, I did go with Notre Dame, and it has been a minute, but they dominated the 80s. They have 13 national titles. They're fifth in wins all time. I wish they would join a conference so we could quit hearing about how easy their schedule is, but I think that you talk about the history of college football. You definitely can't say anything about the history without mentioning Notre Dame, the players that they've had, the Tim Brown, Joe Montana, the movies that are made after them. I know that not a lot of people like Rudy, but still. Because it's all a lie. It, right, but it's a still a good feel-good story coming out of Notre Dame. The popularity and the fan base that these guys have, it's like the Dallas Cowboys following. There are Notre Dame fans all over the world. You can't go anywhere without running into some kind of Notre Dame fan. Also, probably the most beautiful campus I've ever been on. I have not been to that one. Yeah, it's 
you can't like walk there and not get chills. It's probably like walking to the Coliseum. I've done both. It is like that. Not probably. Humble brag. It is like both. <laughs> I mean, I went on a terrible honeymoon. I don't know if that's a humble brag. You want me to bitch about that trip for 10 minutes? I got time. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no one wants that. <laughs> Number one on my list, the Alabama Crimson Tide. This is not just about now. This is about 17 national championships, 31 conference championships, only two Heisman Trophy winners. Yeah, which are very recent. Yeah. Guys. It's amazing, though. I mean, go back to Forrest Gump. No, I'm joking. But go back to, like, Bear Bryant. Like, this is... this. I, I Joe say, Namath, Derek Thomas. Right. Since... I mean, in the 20s, they were dominant. In the 30s, they were dominant. But since 1960, I don't think you could find a better college football program than, than Alabama, which is why they're number one on my list. And also the 17 national titles. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't prepare to make this argument, but I think they have probably the two best coaches in college football history. But Bear Bryant, he's got to be up there. He's at least in the discussion. And I don't even think there is a discussion, not a discussion anymore. Yeah. It is Nick Saban. With what he has done at that program, uh, going from Michigan State to LSU to the Dolphins, and then rebuilding Alabama because they were not great before he got there. And they almost immediately turned it around. With guys like Mark Ingram, Julio Jones coming in there with a great recruiting class. And it just it hasn't stopped. We've been waiting for the fall off like we saw with Miami, with uh, – USC Florida, with Florida Texas, State. it's just not happening in Alabama. And it doesn't look like it's going to because now they're recruiting quarterbacks that can actually play too. Elite-level defense. This is a, a great program. I think it's obviously a no-brainer. They're fourth in wins. Now they're number one for me. I would be curious to see if anybody can make an argument against Alabama. Draft on draft time, Melo. First question from our guy Carson. Who's the best college football player to never be considered an NFL prospect? So can we count Tim Tebow? I feel like I have to say no. it because I don't think he will. He was a first-round pick. He was a first-round pick, but I think it kind of came been, out of but... nowhere. And I really don't think that he got his fair shake in the NFL. But if you're not going to say Tim Tebow, I'm going with my guy Tommy Frazier. I absolutely loved him. One of the reasons why I even started watching football, and specifically college football, watching him at Nebraska not win the Heisman Trophy, which is absolute sham. I loved watching him, and it just – as a child, I was so confused. Why can't this guy play in the NFL? It makes a little bit more sense now, but I do wish uh, that we would have seen him as a prospect in the draft. So I actually think Timmy Chang is the answer here. <laughs> the Hawaii quarterback. I mean, he threw for over 17,000 yards in college. Well, he held the, the record until Case Keenum came along and, and for 19,000 at Houston. So Timmy Chang is the one for me. It was like, God, this dude was just amazing. Because almost anymore, like if you're productive, you're going to get a shot. Yeah, but he didn't. I mean, he was a little bit undersized, but he really didn't get a chance to be a true draft prospect either. And, and I know that that Hawaii offense, especially back in the day with uh, who Colt was Brennan, it? June Jones running that thing, yeah, you're just throwing the ball on every down. But I do like that Timmy Chang pick. Uh, other guys, that's pretty much it for me. Once Tommy Frazier, I just wish we could have seen him even at safety, corner, receiver. I wish that he could have had a shot. I know the that he had some injuries. His legs. Right. The thing. Yeah. I love Tommy Frazier. That's what I would have said. But yeah. you jumped in there and went first. Mm -hmm. I knew I was trying I was to doing. think of my favorite college football player that I knew was not going to play in the NFL. But no one's coming to mind. No. I got nothing on that one. You know, this is a true story. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see us. And Mello will tell you if I'm lying. You know who my favorite player was that I did not think was going to play in the NFL? Tom Brady. I knew you were going It there. was true. <laughs> well, no one did. I, I Right. But I loved him in college. Yeah. 
Never, it, never thought he was going to play the, the NFL. There was the Drew Henson talk. Right. I'm sure everybody's heard the Tom Brady story before. You're I'm pretty, pretty familiar proud of it. with it. You were a fan of Tom Brady, which is why you're probably a Patriots fan now. Yeah. All right. Second question from Andrew Magnuson. After dominating his freshman season, Trevor Lawrence seems to be in a similar position that Jameis Winston and Johnny Manziel were in a few years ago. Will Lawrence, Lawrence turn out differently? If so, why? I can't speak because I want to answer so quickly. He's not a shithead. <laughs> That's the difference. Yeah. Don't, I, like, don't do the things they did. Don't steal. Don't get accused of rape. Don't come to practice hungover. Don't be a complete don't fucking stand on idiot. Tables and yell obscenities. Like, yeah. I, I think that this couldn't be further, like, personality wise. Trevor Lawrence coming into Clemson seems like he is one of the most mature freshman college football players that we've ever had. So I don't think there's any concern whatsoever that he would turn out like a Jameis, like a Johnny Manziel. But I will say we also thought that about Jameis. He came in and everybody was asking, are you the next Johnny Manziel? And he kept saying no. And people would vouch for his character, say this guy's hardworking. He doesn't get in trouble. Great leader. Football savant knows everything. Well, not so much. But I can't ride in an Uber. I don't think that we will see those problems with Trevor Lawrence. I think that he is uh, over that stuff. He's not dealing with the hype. I saw a report earlier today. I was reading it about his recruiting process. He wasn't concerned about any of the other recruits. Uh, A lot of these guys will come in and say, if there's another quarterback in there or if you're recruiting another quarterback, I'm not going to go there. Or you make demands like you want your certain number and things like this. And you just, you didn't get it with Trevor Lawrence. And last year, I think that he handled himself very well with the Kelly Bryant situation. Yeah. You never heard of, of him having a problem with Kelly Bryant. It seemed like they were working very well together. I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the best quarterback I've ever scouted. I know Andrew Luck was yours uh, coming into your profession here. But I think for me that Trevor Lawrence is going to be something very special that we're not going to see again for a long time in terms of draft prospects. I, I think we can can take this question and apply it on the field because Jameis, his second year, threw a lot of picks. Mm-hmm. Johnny, his second year, was slowed down. So if Andrew's speaking about on the field, I think the key there goes to coaching, to keeping uh, Trevor in situations where he's not you know, just running the same old playbook. And I think you can look a little bit like with Johnny, Johnny and Kevin Sumlin. It was just like, go out there and make plays, dude. (laughs) You know, there was no development. And with Jameis, I don't think Jimbo Fisher is a great developer of quarterbacks. And with Jameis, he just middle of the field, he was staring guys down and he was a late processor. So I think it's on Dabo. It's on that offensive staff to keep Trevor Lawrence in situations where he's not being predictable. I really thought that would happen to Lamar Jackson. I really thought we've seen it. 50 touchdowns, Mm -hmm. everybody knows what he's going to do. And he was better, honestly, I think he was better his second year as opposed to his Heisman year. Yeah, I agree with that, too. And with Trevor Lawrence, that's a pretty damn good team he has coming back, too, with ETN, Ross, and Higgins, and and those guys on that offensive line. I do think we have to manage expectations a little bit, though, because the first time he throws a pick, people are going to be like, fuck it, he sucks. Yeah, if he throws a pick, he's going to. Throw picks. Tonight against Georgia Tech, who's I'm very excited about Georgia Tech. There will be a lot of people saying, oh, this is supposed to be the football Jesus with the long hair and doing everything, the perfect prospect. Like, the guy's going to make mistakes. He's probably not going to put up crazy numbers. That's no. not their offense. And I think people will hate on him. I'm preparing for, for you now because you're going to get two years of it. Because I've gone through this with every quarterback I've ever liked, basically, where you, you're, oh, I like this prospect. I'm really excited. They, they make one bad throw and people are like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You know, it's, it's terrible. All right, last yeah. question from JP Gordon. What do NFL teams see in certain prospects that make them ask the prospect if they would try a different position than the one they played in college? It's all about traits. So uh, Trace McSorley is a great recent example. 
Teams did not see exceptional arm strength or accuracy, and he's small. So that's where you get the idea of, okay, we love your leadership. We love your athleticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that like he was a walk-on at Penn State. He was a winner there. That's the kind of guy you want on your team. But you realize that he might have some limitations as a quarterback. So, hey, would you maybe try a different position? So that's really what it comes down to is we like the person a lot, but the player is going to have some limitations. Yeah, and I think with Derek King, we're going to see that too because of the height. And I know that Kyler Murray and everybody can say that. I like Derek King. So yes. we'll put that out there. But I do think that there's going to be talk of him, much like Trace McSorley, of, okay, well, maybe we put him at a different position. Well, Khalil Tate, we saw him go right. off for Arizona. There's been a lot of t- conversation about him already. Is he a receiver? Is he a running back? Yeah. Is he a safety? And, and a lot of these, these guys get stuck at a position that maybe isn't their best position. I mean, a lot of these players, they come in and they say, I'm going to play quarterback. I'm recruited at quarterback. That's my position. Yeah. But then the NFL will say, but actually... <laughs> You're better at this position. Yeah. You probably can't make our roster as a quarterback, but if you want to go play receiver, we think you have a chance there. Much like David Sills, who was, I'm a quarterback. I'm a quarterback. Well, no, you weren't. You, you couldn't throw the ball anymore. Moves to receiver, and I think he's going to do very well for the Bills, even though he went undrafted. So there are a lot of different things that can play into it. I think sometimes you just see traits while they're playing the other position, and you think, I can find a place for this guy on the football field somewhere, just not at his current position. Yeah, and, and like you said with uh, you know, with Tommy Frazier, that's what it would have been. Like, oh, mm-hmm. we haven't seen you throw the ball enough, but you're a game-changing athlete. So why don't we try this at another position? All right, that is our show for tonight. We will be back uh, Tuesday morning. Monday is a holiday, Labor Day. Hope you guys celebrate it. Have a great weekend watching college football. Be back Tuesday morning with a show for you, then Wednesday morning. Then Friday morning next week. So we, I know the schedule has been crazy the last few weeks. That's why you want to make sure you've subscribed to the podcast. So you just get that push update uh, whenever a show comes out. Follow us on Twitter. We're always pushing the schedule out there as we undergo some changes here to start the season. Uh, but it'll, it'll be a fun one. College football is back. We're going to have actual college football to talk about Monday. And that's why I got to get out of here right now. Go get some food. And I'm watching football. All right. That is our show. We'll talk to you guys Tuesday morning. 